You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Um, Sharon tonight, and uh, basically my plan is through the month of February uh, to minister on the fivefold ministry. And uh, this is something, who in here has heard teaching on the fivefold ministry before? Okay, oh, a good number of you. That's good. Praise God. This is one of the things I get asked probably the most in terms of questions that people will ask me. Uh, oftentimes, is about the fivefold ministry. It's about gifts, but it's about the fivefold ministry. Uh, wondering what it looks like, how it operates, how it functions. And to be totally honest with you, this—I'm just—this is like dessert for me. I love talking about this. It's often not the most needful thing to talk about, but it is something that I—I I feel like I asked the Lord, like, Lord, can I minister it? And He said, Yes, you can minister it. Because I just always want to do what the Lord wants me to do. But um, it's more than just dessert. It actually really, really, it's very beneficial. Dessert has no benefit to it other than making you happy. But I just mean I really like talking about this a lot. And uh, so I believe you're going to be really blessed. Here's what I want to do. And I want, um, can you scoot this that way? Because I'm going to get all fired up here and it's going to get in my way. So that would be great. Um, so what I want to do is I want to differentiate to you. Is that a word, differentiate? Let's go with it. It sounds big. So um, I want to differentiate between three different kinds of gifts. I want to do this very briefly because I want to make this abundantly clear what we are talking about. All right. So there are three places. One is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 4 through 11. You can write this down if you want. I'm not going to go there for time's sake because I'm not, I'm not preaching on this. But I just want to make this very, very clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 11 talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And those are the nine gifts of the Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, faith. No, you don't have to write all that. But it's, it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 14, or excuse me, 4 through 11, primarily. Those verses there is where you're going to find particular writing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is not what we are talking about. And the reason I'm being so overly abundantly clear is because oftentimes when I've ministered on this, people go, oh, are you talking about, you know, this gift? No, actually, I'm going to make a separation because there's different gifts that are listed in the Word of God. And I'm not going to talk about this right now. We can do that at another time. But again, these are the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. The next set of gifts that are listed in the Word are um, what I call practical gifts. Some people call them motivational gifts. And that's found in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. Now, again, the only reason I'm pointing this out right here is because I want to make a difference between these three, section, three sections of uh, gifts that are listed in the in the word. And so these practical gifts, and there's, I believe, seven practical gifts, if I remember right, or motivational gifts, what those are, see, these operate, and I'm trying not to teach on it, but I'm going to just mention this really quickly. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are what the Holy Spirit does through an individual that's impossible for a human being to operate in them, lest the Holy Spirit uh, causes them to operate in them. These practical gifts or motivational gifts, here's how I view these practical or motivational gifts, and that's talking about, uh, you know, mercy, teaching, prophecy, these different ones. These are people's natural bents. 
and everybody has a natural bent to them. And so what it looks like is that when you see a need, you, you are motivated to meet that need in a particular way. And so if there was somebody that came in and they had a financial problem, somebody with the gift of giving would probably just want to give them money. Or somebody that had, uh, you know, uh, uh, the gift of mercy would just be over abundance of, oh, what can we do for you? And how can we help you? And how can someone with the gift of teaching would probably say, let me show you how not to get into that problem anymore. You know, and so it's a different way that you, you respond to those things. All right. So that's just a little nugget about those couple of gifts. But the last type of gifts that we're talking about, and this is where we're going to look at these slides, is the fivefold gifts, or you could call these the ministry gifts or the ministry offices, all of those things uh, work. And so this is found uh, primarily, we're just going to throw one passage up there. You can find this throughout, but Ephesians chapter 4, you can find this throughout the New Testament, but Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 13. And if you will, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to um, start there tonight, and we're probably going to end there tonight, just talking about the fivefold ministry. And I, I, and you can sit down. Thank you so much. Didn't she do a wonderful job? I, um, I, I love seeing what the Lord is doing right now in the earth concerning, and I just refer to it as the five-fold ministry. That's a, a probably, a, not probably, it is a man-made term just to reference all of the gifts. And when we're talking about the five gifts, we're talking about, and again, these are ministry offices, and we're going to read that some are called, not all are called, but some are called as, an, as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, or teacher. All right, and so that's where the term fivefold comes in because there's five different offices. Now, I've had um, over the years, I've heard different people. They're like, when, when I'll mention things about this, and when I was younger, I can remember thinking, what am I, what am I called to? And, and, you know, Lord, what am I called to? And what does it look like? And people would say, don't get hung up on titles. Well, the only problem with that mentality is that I didn't write this. That's in the word. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Here's the thing that you need to know about these five things is they speak to function. Now, I'm going to give you, um, we've got, I've got about seven different slides, and I'm going to take a little bit to go through each one. I won't get through all of them tonight. But I've got different pictures that are going to depict and help, help illuminate and bring some understanding about what these five gifts actually are. But if you look through the, the history of the church, you will find that there were, there were times when these different gifts were emphasized uh, more, than, more than others, or it was almost like, honestly, for about 1,500 years, I think that the five gifts were just almost in hiding, kind of like the Holy Ghost. Not really, but the church, the church lost hold of it. And I would say sometime during the, between the time of um, the Reformation, which was, what, 1517, I think 1517, somewhere between there and... Uh, you know, I don't know, the, the 19th, well, before that, probably the 17th century, um, we started to see an uptick of understanding and in functionality of the gifts. And the first one probably that came back on the scene, and this is just a little bit of Kentology. This is a little bit of how I've viewed these gifts coming back alive in the church. And the truth is, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but all of these gifts represent Jesus. As a matter of fact, they are a gift to the church. And when Jesus um, ascended, he gave these gifts to men, and they were five parts of Jesus that were given to individuals to operate and function. 
And so for too long, the church has said, oh, well, we don't need apostles or we don't need prophets or whatever. And I'm going to show you here from the word that we are still living in the day of the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the quicker the church gets a hold of it completely and says, Lord, I want to embrace everything your word says, the better off we will be. And I'm, going to, I'm just going to get into a lot of things and I'm going to help you, help you see this in, in great detail. But if you look there at first, it seemed like probably after the Protestant Reformation and, and for, I don't know, few hundred years, maybe the pastoral gifting um, came back, and there was there was out of things out of balance with it. Um, and even fast forward into like the 20th century, there was things like the shepherding movement, which had a great had a great understanding, but it got out of balance. And almost every time that the Lord emphasizes something, in fact, I'll just go ahead and say it: every time I can think of in reading and studying history, church history, every time the Lord says, "All right, church, you don't understand this. Let me show you this. Let me give this to you. Let me let me reinvigorate your understanding in this." The church takes it and they they almost make an idol out of it. And this is something that we have to be very careful of. Every time that there is a new uh, wave, if you will. Um, it is part of who God is. It's not the only thing of who God is. Last time I checked, uh, all of the waves come from the same ocean. You know, if you're standing on the beach and you see one wave come, that, that wave is awesome, but how about the next wave and how about the next wave? Sometimes we, we have a tendency to want to really latch on to what we know and stop there. And by the way, that's where, that's where a lot of denominations get started. It's like they get a hold of like one thing and they're like, boom, here we are. We got it. We, we've got our, our stuff together, and this is us. And the problem is, is that that stops growth. And so you can look through church history where people got a hold of certain parts of God, but they didn't want to get a hold of the rest of God. And I'm not saying I've got it all figured out, but what I am saying is that I have left, and I'm determined from now until I die to get a hold of the rest and all of who God is, for my understanding to catch up with really, truly who he is. Amen. So there was a time when, when the idea of a pastor and pastoral ministry came back into, into the church, and it was good. It needed to be there. Why? Because pastors are part of the fivefold ministry. It's a part of who Jesus is. If we did not have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we would miss the essence of who Jesus is as a leader in the church today. That's why he gave these gifts to men. So if you fast forward, uh, probably to the time of, um, I, I'm sometimes not very good on dates, but like I'll say when like David Brainerd, um, who are some of the old time, uh, uh, Whitfield, George Whitfield, some of these guys that, that preached and had such great power, uh, Charles Finney, um, that had seen mass conversions. There was a rise of the evangelistic anointing or this, this office of an evangelist coming back on the scene. Why? Because the Lord knew that the church needed evangelists to be there. So then you fast forward probably to around the, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, well, actually, even with evangelists, you take it all the way into the healing ministries of uh, Kuhlman. Uh, uh, Lake was before that. Lake, Catherine Kuhlman, uh, Oral Roberts, these different ones. And there was they were um, that evangelistic anointing that had all of the, the healing involved in it. Like that was a big part. And that God was God was bringing that back into the church. As a matter of fact, the church um, wouldn't wouldn't hear a lot of things concerning the evangelistic anointing. And healing, and that's why the Lord had to set up tents outside the church. Because they didn't want healing inside the church. And the Lord said, well, church, you're, you're not going to do what I want. I'm going to set up business outside, and I'm going to make you jealous of what I'm doing, that you're going to want it on the inside. And praise God, that happened. And so now, as a whole, 
especially spirit-filled churches, people that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, they embrace the moving of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, and healing and all of those things. And so, but if you fast forward probably to around, you know, the 70s and 80s, there was a, there was a great uptick, uptick, uptick of revelation coming through the form of teachers. And I think one prime example of this probably would be Brother Hagen. And if, if you've ever heard anything bad about Brother Hagen, you need to go ahead and throw that out and go back and listen to what he taught. He was an incredible man of the spirit, but also a man of the word. And he brought such clarity on certain things. And he was amazing because he would flow in the power of God and the gifts of the, of the spirit so strong. But when he taught, you, there, was, there was no doubt what he was saying. He was so clear to articulate. And since then, we've seen a great uh, increase of the teacher anointing or the, the teacher being reintroduced into the body of Christ. So then you fast forward a little bit into the kind of like the 80s and the 90s, and we saw um, the, the prophets or the prophetic on the rise. And I don't want to say a whole lot about that other than I'm really, really glad that God came in and straightened some stuff out because there was a lot of really messed up stuff that happened with prophetic people um, and prophets that were truly called by God and God was stirring their hearts to move. But a lot of times people will move in ways that the anointing will take them places that their character is not ready to go. I don't know about you, but I don't want the anointing of God that's on me to take me further than where my character is ready to go. And we saw a lot of that and not pointing any fingers at anybody. It was just what was going on. There was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of wrong words. There was a lot of manipulation, a lot of control, a lot of weird stuff that happened. But nevertheless, that was man that did the wrong stuff. God was the one that said, I want my prophets and I want my prophetic voice back in the church. And so I know for me, I had to go through a season to where, you know, I, I rejected the prophetic, not intentionally, but that I was reading and the Lord said, do not despise prophecies. And uh, when I read that, he said, you do that. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do that. And uh, he said, well, you do. And I, I said, well, I repent. And so from that point, we started to have more prophecy and prophetic flow and invited in prophets that were, you know, sound of mind and sound in the word. And it brought great increase. And we have a prophet here. If you don't know, Ron absolutely is a prophet called by God. And there was a season in his life where you know, he, he's not one to be like, here I am, the prophet. Um, he's not like that at all. But we were actually, we went to, um, we were at a meeting. And uh, long story short, I'm standing there in front of Joseph Z, who is a prophet. He's going to come and minister in this church in April. It would be so awesome. But um, uh, long story short, I'm sitting there talking to Joseph Z. I'd never met him before. I felt impressed to have him pray for me. And I go up and he turns around. And, and this is so cool. This is just a total side nugget and, and a detour. But this is so cool. Um, that morning, me and you and Katie were sitting, and you were telling us about when you were about 12 or 13 years old, and you had this encounter with the Lord, and the best that you could tell, that was when God put the call on your life as, as a prophet and, uh, and, and put that on you, and um, so then we're, fast forward, I think it was, this, it was the same day, it was that evening, and uh, I went up to him, I didn't tell Ron where I was going, but I walked over there, and he's like, I need to go and see what Ken's doing, and so... Uh, he walked over there, and I was talking to Joseph, and I just said, I, I, would you pray for me? He said, I'd, I'd be happy to. Well, he didn't pray. He just started prophesying and reading my mail, and it was, it was awesome. And uh, so, uh, and then he, uh, he turned and looked at Ron, who's kind of standing just right behind me, 
And he said, do you always travel with a, a German shepherd, I think is what he said? Yeah, or you, you always have a German shepherd walking by you or something like that. And, uh, and then he kept ministering to me. And then he turned. And, he's, and he's, I think this, he, then he said, do you always travel with the prophet? That's what he said. Do you always travel with the prophet? He had never met him before. He had never met me before. And, uh, and then he turned and started prophesying to Ron. And he said, the Lord called you when you were just about 12 or 13 years of age. I think that was amazing. So maybe I didn't tell it with as much zip, but my gosh. And if he ever needed any confirmation, there was it. And so praise the Lord. Um, now everyone's going to line up for a word if they didn't already know that you were. But, you know, one of the things that you're going to see is that when you, when you look at the, the offices, it's, it's not so much about gifting as it is responsibility. Very important. It's not so much about gifting as it is responsibility. And a lot of people will have, you know, a prophetic gift or they'll have, you know, feel like they've got an apostolic thrust to them or something. And they're like, I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. And it's like, well, maybe you are, but you need to learn some things first. And I know for me, I've had to really, really learn some things and I'm still learning some things. And if you're attached to your title, then you're not ready for it. If you feel like you need your title to get you somewhere, then you're not ready for it. There's a, there's a difference between being called to something and being separated under that calling. I was called when I was a young man, but I, I, I'm, I'm still young. But when I was a, a boy, I was called. Um, but when I got older, it was finally when I was separated under that calling. But even when I was separated, I still had to grow. I still had to get more mature, and I'm still maturing. So back to what I was saying, and then I'm actually going to get into the teaching, all right? So, but in you know, the 80s and 90s is when the, the prophets came on the scene. There was a lot of strange things, but I believe that the Lord is really straightening some things out and setting some things in order. And then around the year 2000 and forward, we've seen an increase of understanding about the apostolic anointing. And I'm going to show you some things from the Word that I really believe are going to bring a lot of enlightenment to you. But here's the exciting thing about everything I just said, is that the complete picture of who Jesus is, is an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and, t and teacher. Jesus is all of those things. He's all of them. And Jesus didn't have any identity problems. He, he was not attached in the sense of his identity to his gifting. And Jesus was just solid in the fact that he was a son of God, but he also knew the calling that he had. And when he ascended, he gave gifts to men, and he gave for the church to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I believe that we are living in another, and I've heard people mock this. I've seen all kinds of things. I've had people mock me about it, but I'll just say it. You can do what you want to with it. Don't mock me. Uh, but other than you can believe it or not. Uh, and we'll just wait and see. But I believe we're coming into a time of another apostolic reformation. And what I mean by that is that when you look at the early church, what caused the church to come on the rise was first the apostles. But you can't have people that are apostles by title only. They have to be apostles in revelation. They have to be apostles at heart. They have to be apostolic towards people. And that is, that is everything except for, look at me, I'm an apostle. And there was, there was a season with the understanding of apostolic ministry that was coming on the rise. There was a season where people were like, I'm an apostle, raise me to the highest level. I'm going to show you that actually the, the ministry of an apostle, there is a place for honor. There's a place for proper um, governmental structure. But to really be an apostle is really to go down. 
It's really going to the lowest place of serving. And Liz and I were talking about this on the way over here tonight, that, you know, the idea of an apostle, an apostolic ministry is all about paving the way so that other people can step into the ministry that God has for them. That truly is the heart of, of what an apostle is supposed to be. They're supposed to be a father. Do you know of any good father that take, takes, I mean, any good father that takes his children and, and does things to his children to try and make himself look good? If that was a father that did that, they wouldn't be a good father. A good father does everything they can to lay down their life for their children to raise them up and cause them to go higher than where they are. And see, Jesus said, the works that I do, you also will do in even greater works. You know what I believe that that was? That was the heart of the Father in him. And I also believe it was part of that apostolic anointing to see forward progress and upward movement. And the thing that you're going to find out with apostles and prophets in particular is that if you have apostles and prophets in your midst, if you have that, and they are on fire for Jesus, you will never be stagnant. Because it's impossible for, for apostles and prophets to go like this. Because everything about them says, I want to know what heaven is saying. I want to know what heaven is doing. I want to know how God is moving and how we can move and what area of our life needs to be relinquished so that we can have God move in our midst. You want to put apostles and prophets in a nutshell? That is it. They're motivators for the body of Christ. And so all of those things are really, uh, all those gifts are really important. I'm probably going to spend more time talking about the apostle and prophet than any because they're the least amount of understanding. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, and let's read some verses here to set a, a backdrop or to set some foundation. And then we're going to, uh, we're going to really get into some good stuff. Are you all still with me? All right. I got through my introduction, so praise God. So Ephesians 4. And let's start, uh, let's actually start at verse 7. And it says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And then here it is in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, I want, I want to stop right here, and I want to say something. The fivefold ministry has an expiration date on it. There is a time when apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers will no longer be needed on the earth. You want to know when that is? Verse 13. All these are given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When the church arise to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we no longer need these gifts. But until that, until that time, until that time comes, these gifts need to be on the rise, not decreased. You know, it's interesting because um, I, I've talked to a lot of people over the last 
you know, years about, um, about apostles and prophets in particular. And our culture still in the church doesn't give room for the term uh, very well, uh, apostle and prophet. And it's because we have a tendency that when we see abuse, we throw out the baby with the bathwater. We're like, nope, I don't want to have anything to do with that. But if it's in the word, instead of saying, I don't want to have anything to do with it, we need to say, Lord, give me clarity on what you are saying. Give me clarity on why the Apostle Paul writes and says that Jesus gave all of these gifts to men. I need to have some understanding on that. And here's the thing that I found about, about these gifts is that they will keep the church from becoming a natural organization. And I really believe the reason why the church has gone and leaned into a very seeker-sensitive, seeker-friendly movement for the last 25 years. I'm like, where in the world has the church been as a whole? Not every church, but as a whole. I believe it's because there's been an improper understanding of fivefold ministry because this fivefold ministry, if it really is a part of who Jesus is, it should bring supernatural ministry to the church and in the earth. But it's got to be received. It's got to be it's got to be something that people are open to. But it's interesting to me the term pastor is is culturally just that's the that's the acceptable thing. Now here's and you can go do your own homework because I've done it. And I'm going to give you the close numbers. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I'll give you close. The term pastor or pastors is only in the New Testament three times. It translated into English three times. Now, the, the Greek word for pastor is, I believe it's poime is how you say it. I think you can find that Greek word uh, translated in there somewhere around 17 uh, 18 times, if I remember, some, somewhere around there. Don't catch me on my numbers, but it's, it's close to there. The word apostle or apostles comes from the Greek word apostolos, and you will find that in there. I believe the number was 74 times. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to say that, oh, we need to switch everything and start calling everyone an apostle. No, what I am saying is there's a huge imbalance if everybody that's a leader in the church is called a pastor or every leader in the church basically is a pastor. What happened to all the apostles? I mean, it's, it's, just a, it's just a very logical question to ask that. And I say that there's better understanding coming because there's a lot of pastors that are operating as pastors, but they really are called as apostles. They're called to... Uh, move forward, to plant, to grow, to raise up, to send, to release, to anoint, to father, to bless. That's apostolic ministry. And there's a lot of pastors that are actually called to do that. But because they've taken on the, the scope of, I don't want to say a cap, because it's not like an apostle is, is necessarily greater than a pastor. It's just a different anointing. And if you take on, hey, God calls me a pastor, and you're really called as an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist, you're going to find yourself being constrained into how you depict and define what a pastor is, when in all reality, you might be an evangelist. And when I say you, it says here that some are called. I, I, it's my opinion that probably the five-fold ministry is probably 5% or less of the body of Christ is actually called into the five-fold ministry. That's my opinion. There's not a verse that I can take you to that says that. That's just, that's my opinion. But with that being said, 
here's what I've found is that you will find people that are more pastoral. You'll find some that are more prophetic. You'll find some that are more evangelistic. You'll find some that are more teacheristic. I don't know. And then you'll find some that are apostolic in the way that they think. Well, if you have somebody, for example, that, that thinks apostolic, they're probably not going to learn some of the things that they need to learn to do the apostolic type of movement in their life with the Lord unless they listen to someone be able to give understanding on how to move like that. And the same thing with the, with the prophet. You're not going to learn very much about the, the prophetic, especially if you're sitting under a pastor or something or a teacher that doesn't even believe in it. <laughs> but uh, you're probably not going to learn as much about that as you would from someone who, who operates in the office of a prophet. And by the way, here's something that's interesting is it says the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are there for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And you take the office of an evangelist, for example. My understanding of an evangelist all growing up was the guy that traveled around, occasionally came into churches and preached hellfire damnation and tried to get some church folk to get saved all over again. And then he'd go back out in the world. We'd give him some money. And he'd go back out and try to round some lost people up. Well, that's not bad. But as far as what I can tell here the fivefold ministry, the primary job of the fivefold ministry is inside the church. You know why? It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This is something that it has, to, it has to turn over. It has to change. I think it's key because every person in here realizes that we have a lost and dying world. Does everybody understand that like the world is on its way to hell quickly? And we are the answer. But you know what isn't the answer? Me going out and witnessing to everybody. And, and I know you know that. I'm not trying to talk down to you. I know you understand that. But there has, to be, there has to be some things rise up to equip the saints the way they need to be equipped to be able to reach people and lead people and win people the way that the Lord designed. And when it says for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, I think the ministry takes place both inside the church and outside the church. Mark chapter 16 kind of speaks to me, uh, that great commission where it was recorded, almost to an outward ministry. It said, go into all the world and preach. When you read in Matthews, he said, go into all the world and teach and disciple nations. Well, to me, that speaks to ministry inside the church and to ministry to people outside the church. And so we need to have both of those things. But I really believe the primary function of the fivefold ministry is to be inside the church, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. I, and, and this is, I truly believe that inside of every person, there's a little apostle, a little prophet, a little evangelist, a little pastor, and a little teacher. You know why? Because you have Jesus living on the inside of you. So I shouldn't call it a little. You have a big amount of that. You may not be called to that office and carry that responsibility, but you have that in you. And this is how it can look. You know, maybe you're at, you're at your job and you have an opportunity to start a Bible study. You know how you start a Bible study? Apostolic anointing. I'm going to go. I'm going I'm to push forward in there. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make it happen. I'm going to plow. I'm going to plant. That's apostolic anointing. But you know what you also need to go along with it? You need a word from God. You need a prophetic anointing. You need to, you need to have the Lord speak to you direction on things. Because if you just go and you're like, here I go, this is why I'm so glad to have this, this man with me, because he can help me see things that I don't see, because I'm like a plower. I'm just like, let's go. Katie's the same way. 
we need rains on us because we're just like, whoosh. but we always, we, we love people, you know, so, but, um, but anyways, you, you need that prophetic anointing to help you be able to see where you're going. But then when you get into doing the, the Bible study that you feel called to do, not only do you need a word from God, you need a heart to lead that person to Jesus. And not only do you need to lead them to Jesus, you need to give them understanding, and that comes through the ability to teach them something. And then after you teach them something, you need to be able to just love on them and pastor them and disciple them a little bit. So this is inside of all of us. Well, how can we get all of the benefits of all of that if we're not even open to those anointings flowing and working in the church? But I thank God that that's not what this church is made up of. We're, we're made up of, Lord, we want all of the full counsel of the word of God coming to us in full measure. Amen. So it has an expiration date, and the expiration date is simply whenever we come to the fullness of who, who we're supposed to be, the fullness of Christ, then we can, get, we can do away with all of that. But praise God, that's not going to happen until Jesus returns. So we need, we need this ministry. So let's pull that slide back up here, and then we're going to jump, uh, I believe, actually to the next to the next slide. So yes, let's go ahead and jump over to the next slide. We'll probably land on here tonight. And uh, I'll, I'll just be the first to tell you that I totally stole this one, all right? All the other things that you're going to see, my, my slides that I made. By the way, Brooke made these from a sketch I did at best. And so uh, thank you, Brooke. But, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some explanation uh, behind this, but I stole this from my friend Joseph Z. And uh, when he shared this, it really, really brought a lot of understanding uh, to me and the people that were with me when we heard it. And uh, so this is one thing. The idea of a hand being the fivefold ministry probably isn't new, but the color, uh, the color coding is probably new to you. And I'm going to explain that in just a second. But when you think about the fivefold ministry and with a, with a hand, um, you know, the apostle is, is the thumb. The prophet is the pointer finger. The evangelist is the middle. And then the ring finger is the pastor. And then the last one there is the teacher. And here's the reason why uh, that kind of makes sense and is, is a good analogy for it. Uh, the, the apostolic ministry will touch on all of those things. When you find an apostle, they can, they can operate in all, in all of those functions. Well, with your thumb, you can do all that. Uh, the pointer finger is, is a pointer. It's a prophet. It points the way. The middle finger, it actually, and I'm just going to put all my fingers up together, but it sticks, it sticks out the most, right? It sticks out the most. And so the evangelist is most out there. And, uh, you know, the furthest out has the furthest reach. And then you have the, the ring finger. And that's because the pastors are married to the church. And uh, there's even with people that are, are called into, um, you know, as an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or teacher, they're still going to find themselves doing shepherding, doing pastoral work. But a real true shepherd, shepherd, a true pastor called into this office is married to the church. It's their covenant bound and they can't, they just can't break away. And God's made them that way. They're wired that way. And then you have a teacher is the pinky. And there's a couple things that go along with, with this. Uh, the teacher will help get the word in your ear. You ever went and dug in your ear? I don't want to know, but if you ever dug in your ear, you would probably use your pinky because it fits in there the best. They mean the, the, the teacher will help get the word in your ear. But also, if you've ever tried to grasp something without your pinky, it's pretty hard to get a good tight grip. Well, you put your pinky in there, and you can get the tightest grip with that. And that's what the teaching of the word will help you do, get a really tight grip on things. Amen. So all of these functions are extremely important. Now, the color coding um, colors are reflective of things. I used to work in the interiors industry. I, had, um, I grew up with a drill in one hand and a staple gun in the other and because I installed draperies, and I also did upholstery work 
Uh, my dad had an upholstery business. And um, so we learned, we'd worked with designers and drapery workrooms and stuff like that a lot. And uh, they would always talk about different colors were, would do different things to people and their emotions and things. Well, uh, blue colors are very calming. And uh, they're very uh, relaxed and, and more even keel. Uh, yellow is something that's very bright. It's out there. You can't help but to see it, that kind of thing. But, but red is very fiery. And it's very, um, as a matter of fact, if you have too much red in a room, it can actually make people mad. And they don't even know why because they've got something about red. It's just like it's, it's strong. And, uh, and so that's, that's why these colors actually fit these type of things. And what we've had leading the church for the last 25 years has been the pastor and the teacher, they're blue. And I thank God for the pastor and the teacher, and we need all of these gifts. I couldn't, I couldn't overstate that. But pastors and teachers, as far as I can see from the scriptures, are actually not called to lead this thing. We'll look at some things in the word here, but as far as I can see, it is primarily apostles and prophets that are the foundation of the church, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So what's happened is that if you look through, and I, and I already did it and I won't go back through it, but if you look through the history of the church, we had, um, I'll say pastoral, evangelistic teaching then prophetic and apostolic come back on the scene. If anything, it should have all been completely reversed because the apostles and prophets are the ones that pave the way for the work of God to be done in an area and a region and a church with the people, all of that. That's the way that God designed it, and we're going to look at some more stuff like that. But, you know, when you look at the apostolic and the prophetic ministry, you'll, you'll find a very, um, like, it's, it's a righteous anger that's there. You know, in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, um, seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And people that are apostles and prophets are almost always on the justice side. Naturally, I'm not saying they're all like that, but they're almost always like, this has to be right. It has to be in order. Things have to, we have to move with God. We have, to, that's not right. We need to fix that. That's, that's kind of how they think. And it has a real uh, aggression to it. If you have that aggressiveness without the, the pastoral side of it and without the, the teaching part of it, the explanation part of it, if you have that, then all you're going to do is just make people mad. And so there is a, there is a balance to everything that we could, we could look at. And that's why Jesus wasn't just one. He was all of them. And you can go through the word and you can see that Jesus was all of these things. It says that he was the great shepherd. It also says that he was a teacher and he was one that taught, not like the scribes, but he was one that taught and had authority when he taught. He was also a prophet. It was multiple times he was called a prophet. He was an evangelist. Why? Because he came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus' whole mission was to reach people that needed to have a relationship with the Father. And then he also was an apostle. And how do we know this? It says in uh, Hebrews chapter 3, uh, I think it's verse 1, it says that he's the apostle and high priest of our confession, I think if I'm, if I'm quoting the verse right. And so Jesus was all of those things, and he has given those gifts to man. And I'm so thankful that he didn't give it all to one man, because if he'd given it all to one man, I think that could have, like, inflated some people's heads. But I've come to the realization that, you know, I operate in one of these really, really strong 
uh, maybe two of them really strong, but the rest of them, I need people around me. And, and the fivefold ministry, there, is a, there has been such competition with it in the church that it's actually, instead of bringing unity, it's brought disunity. Unity is strengthened in diversity. Unity is not strengthened in conformity. There was a, a prophet that I knew one time, and this prophet was always trying to get people to be prophetic and always trying to pull the prophetic out of people. And prophets will have a tendency to do that, and I believe every person can prophesy, but not every person's called to be a prophet. Not every person is going to just uh, operate and walk and flow in words all the time. Some people do, but not everybody does. But oftentimes, you'll find people that what they are strong in, they want everybody else to be just like them. That's what you call immaturity. And it actually brings, it brings division when people are like that. But when you can find someone who's wired a certain way and honor the way God has made them and operate and function along with them, there is a diversity in that. But the fact that you can walk in love strengthens the unity and the bond that you have together in Christ. The Lord never, he never wanted us to be just one person. And, you know, and I look at some of these great men and women of God, and I thank God for them. But so many times, you know, they would operate in the gifts, and they had this strong teaching anointing and this great revelation, and everybody that they raised up, and it wasn't their fault, but some of the people that came up underneath them, they were just like mini-me's. They were just minions. And they were just trying to copy what they were doing because they, they hadn't figured out that God had called them to something particular and unique and special all on their own. And we need everything that the, that, the, that the body of Christ has to offer. We need it all. But you know, the only way that we're going to get fully equipped is for the full five-fold ministry to be in force fully in the church. There's, and let me say something here, Okay. You got to stick with me for the rest, for the remainder of this teaching, not just tonight, but for the remainder of this teaching, because I'm going to give you a lot of understanding. Hopefully you've gotten some, and I'm going to get into more stuff, but I'm also going to raise a lot of questions, and I'm not going to have answers to every one of those questions, but hopefully this is going to stir your heart to begin to think and believe and pray that we see a resurrection of this in the church. And so one of the questions that comes up is, does every church, should it have an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher in that church locally. And I think the ideal uh, situation is, yes, I think that is the ideal thing. We don't live in an ideal world, and we don't always, we don't always have that. But at the very least, churches need to be open. If they don't have it in the church, they need to bring in people from outside that operate and flow that those churches can receive from what's working and flowing in their, in their life. And so I, I really work to try to bring in people that flow in some of those other things that will fit with what God is doing here, but also they've got things that, that we don't have. You know, my spiritual father, Pastor Bobby, and I'm just believing that one day he's going to be able to come back. He was uh, struck by a car um, almost one year ago and is still in the hospital, uh, has not made a full recovery. Um, but Pastor Bobby, when he comes in, it's like a party. And uh, the, the people are just, you know, they're just, they're just always really excited. But he ministers nothing like me. And the last time he was, he was here, and of course we weren't here, but he was in, in Perryville. I mean, there was bodies stacked all over the place. I mean, it was just, it was wild. And I looked at Ron and I was like, this ain't my cup of tea. And he's like, it ain't my cup of tea either. But I honor, I honor that ministry. 
because it's different than what I have. I want it to be different. And he was trying to pull me in to minister with him. And I said, Pastor Bobby, they don't want me. They have me every week. They want you. You just you pray for him. And he said, okay. And so it was, it was awesome. And uh, some of the people, what's interesting is that some of the people will thrive on that kind of ministry. And they'll, they'll glean from me and stuff and, and love me or whatever. Uh, and other people are like, uh, are you ministering next week? Because that freaked me out. You know, and so it's good to have diversity. It's good to have different flavors. It's good to have those kinds of things. Amen. And so it helps, it helps uh, bring us out of our shell, but also keep us very, very well-rounded. Hallelujah. And so all, all of these, these ministries, all of these offices, all of these gifts um, are, very, are very important. And we need to have these things in order for the church to come into the fullness that God has, God has designed it. And I said one thing, I'm just about out of time, and I want to say this again, that this is what keeps the church from becoming a natural organization. We were never meant to figure things out on our own and operate without the power of God. We were never meant to operate outside of the realm and the scope in the way that God has designed his church to operate. And whatever the Lord wants, that's what I want. And I, I, I heard... Um, and I'll say, Brother Andrew, Andrew Walmack said this, and I'll say he said it, so then you don't have to get mad at me. You can get mad at him because he said it. But he said, most Christians don't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. <laughs> and I found this out with the fivefold ministry when I started sharing on this years ago. And I'm not coming down on anybody in here. You know, you, sometimes you have to, you know, if you're, getting, if you're getting meat, then just bring your blender. You know? Put it in what a liquid form where you can swallow it or something. I don't know. But the word's the word. Amen. If it's in the word, we just need to believe it. And uh, But I, I found when I started ministering on this, um, you know, a few years ago, that most people were like, amen, this is good. I'm, I'm receiving it. But there were some that really, really struggled with it. And I went back to just remembering that uh, a lot of people will, would rather hang on to their traditions, their ideals, their understanding of things if it violates what they believed. And one of the reasons people do that is that if they've been believing something for a long time and then they come to find out that they're wrong, they have a pride gets in the way of them saying, you know what, actually, I haven't been seeing that right. I haven't believed that right. When we will lower our pride, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when I had this season, it was about five, five, six years ago, and I, was, I mentioned it earlier about how I, I was resisting or I, I was despising a prophecy. And when I repented to the Lord, it was within, I think, about a year or so to where we started having more prophetic movement in the church. And then we had all of these dreams, and we had mass deliverance in the church through dreams. It was the most incredible thing I was ever a part of, and we're living in the fruit of it right now. Why? Because the guy that was leading it repented because I hadn't been seeing things right. When we align our wills and we align our hearts with truth... Even if it goes against how we've believed, we're going to find ourselves operating in a level of freedom that we hadn't known before. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth will set you free. But you have to know it first. And I would take it a step further and say you also have to believe it. Just knowing it uh, is the right first step, but you also have to believe it. And so I think this is good just to open up our eyes and our understanding about um, the fivefold ministry and the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher 
and really get a get an understanding of all those things. And there's a couple of reasons why. One is we need to draw from those anointings that are available. But two, there are people that you know, people that could be under you, people that are um, children or grandchildren or whatever. God might have might be calling them to some of these things. And we need to have an understanding of how it functions, how they work. So we don't just go, well, because, you know, the old saying used to be, my boy's going to be a preacher. You know, my grandson's going to be a preacher or whatever. And it's like, well, what does that even mean? All these things can preach on some level. All of them can declare the word of the Lord on some level. What does that actually mean? For me, and I'll just throw this out there. For me, the Lord began to show me years ago that actually my, my strongest call is not as a pastor. It's actually as an apostle. And I don't go, and you'll hear people that will call me Apostle Kent. I don't really care if people call me pastor or apostle um, or if they just want to call me Kent. But here's the thing that I've learned. I don't need anyone to call me that for my sake. You don't have to call me any of that for my sake. But here's how I see it is that when I grew up, my parents, and I was a little bit different when you're a child and you have your parents. But when I grew up, my parents, you know, required me to call them mom and dad. That wasn't their name. Their name was were Mark and Carolyn. Why did I call them mom and dad? Because that's who they were to me. I wasn't supposed to just see them as Mark and Carolyn. They were my parents Set there, sent there, set there by God to give me what they had to offer to bring me to the place that God had for me. So I don't get wrangled about. Some people are like, oh, I'm just not into calling people pastor or, you know, whatever. And that's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't come down on people for that. I'm not going to condemn you for it. But sometimes I'll hear people, they'll call me, um, you know, and culturally it's weird for people to call someone an apostle. And you get into, into different cultures and you would never call them uh, pastor, it would be apostle or a bishop. We were talking about this, Quimby and I, earlier. And so things can be very cultural, but it's right to look at people that God has set in your life and identify them not as just a brother or a sister, but actually as an anointed, called leader of God to help you come up to the level that God has called you to be at. That's, that's the difference. If you're sitting underneath of me and you don't believe that I'm called to do that in your life, you shouldn't be sitting underneath of me. I'm just bold enough to say that. If you're sitting underneath of anybody and you don't see them in, in uh, proper, not dominating, domineering, and I'm going to get into all this, but not in a, like a dominating type of authority, but if you don't see them as an authority figure in your life, why are you sitting underneath of their ministry? It doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. But if you do see them that way, Honor that position, that governmental authority that's there, and you will reap the benefits in your life tremendously. I am so glad I did not call my dad Mark growing up. I called him dad. And it wasn't for his sake. It was for my sake. Because when I said dad, I was looking to him as the one that could pour into my life as a father. And see, I'll, I'll hear some people, sometimes people will say Kent, and it's, like, it's almost like I, I can hear it. And, I'm, and I'll sometimes think, they don't even need to call me pastor or apostle or anything. They don't even need to call me that because their heart is so turned towards me to receive what God has through me on their life that it's not an issue of, of wording. Other people, um, when they'll say, they'll call me by my name, it's like, man, you really need to call me pastor. You really need to call me something else because you don't see me the way that you need to see me. 
See, I don't, I know, I get up every day and Liz knows me. I know that I am nothing special. I, I, I am absolutely nobody special. All, the only reason I'm standing here is because I said yes to the Lord. That's, that's the only reason I said yeah, and I just continue to say, yes, God, I'll, I'll do it. And I spent most of my time in ministry trying to overcome, like I had the Moses syndrome. Remember Moses, the burning bush, the bush lit up in front of him? And it's like, I mean, you would think that someone had this amazing encounter, they would be like, wow, anything you want, God. But he made excuse after excuse. And then he, the Lord said, take your hand and put it on your chest. Now take it off. And it, it was leprous. And then the Lord said, now take your, your leprous hand and put it back on your chest and remove it. And then it was back to normal. And then he said, what do you got in your hand? Moses said, a staff. And he said, take it and throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground. It turned into a snake. And the Lord said, pick it up. He picked it up, and it turned back into a staff. And after all of that, the, Lord, the Moses said, I'm just not eloquent at speech. I just can't. He was, looking at, he was looking at himself. I operate in confidence in the Lord, not in myself. I know me. I know the thoughts that I've had to overcome. I know the emotions that I've had to overcome. I know the insecurities that I've had to overcome. I am nothing without Christ. But what he has called me, I will not back down from. And neither should you. You should never back down from what God says about you. Be a confident son and daughter in how he's called you. Amen. So when it comes to how you refer to me, that's between you and the Lord. That's between you and the Lord. But I was in my office one day, and, and I, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty personable, and I love people, and uh, quality time is my, is my love language, which is horrible for somebody in my position because I don't have enough time in the day to spend with everybody. It's, it's impossible. Uh, but uh, I was in my office one day, and, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, and he said it like this so I would never forget it because I don't talk. I don't talk like this, and the Lord doesn't talk like this to me, but he did this one time just to make it stick. He said, you are not their bro. You're their pop. And I was like, I mean, I, had, I don't even talk like that. That's why it was like, Brrr. he said, you're not their, their bro. You're their pop. In other words, my, my call is to bless, is to help, is to teach, is to admonish, is to increase, is to all of those things that a, a vivefold minister would do. I'm not here to be your friend. With that being said, I will be friendly to you, amen, and please be friendly to me. So, and, and I am friends with you. I don't mean it like that, but that's not my primary role in your life. The primary role of my parents was not to be my friend. You ever meet those parents that try to be their kids' friends and their kids are just struggling so bad? It's like, be a parent. Quit trying to be their friend. They have friends to be friends. You be their parent. So there's proper order to things. There's proper ways to look at things in the body of Christ. But with this has come so much abuse, and I'm going to end on this. With this, as a matter of fact, let's look at one more slide to close to make this point quickly, but I'll come back and hit this slide in greater detail. I think it's like three more slides. Go to the next one. Uh, go to the next one. Okay, stop right here. This is one, and I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to break this down for you, all right? This is how most people have viewed fivefold ministry, and listen to this how it's been taught. And when you find somebody that's like an apostle, they're like, I'm number one, I'm at the top. I'm way up here. There is a place for proper 
uh, structure in church government that this is a proper model or picture to look at as to see how the fivefold ministry operates because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to get there, it says first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then it goes into some other things. I'll give more explanation uh, to that at a later time that'll make more sense. But go back to the one previous, or it could be the one after. Go to the one after, actually, excuse me. The next one. Uh, right there. To me, this is actually the most proper way to look at the fivefold ministry in the church. Apostle and prophet at the bottom as the foundation. And we can pull that from Ephesians chapter 2. It tells us um, that the church was built on the, on the apostles and the prophets, Jesus himself being the chief, chief cornerstone. And I think you could go apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. In the church, the people, the saints are at the, at the top. But the lower you go, the higher you go, the lower you go in serving. You want to know what we do? This is the most glorious time I have all week. <laughs> this is it. Most of the time, it's, it's spent serving, and it is my honor to serve. It's my honor to serve. But at the same time that I'm called to serve, it's also very good to develop a culture in your heart of he's nothing special. I'm nothing special, but what God has on me is for you if you're called to be here. And in that case, it is special. Amen. This man right here, both this man and this woman, um, Ron and Wendy, we know them as. Uh, this man and this, are you, you guys want to get married? This, this man, will you take this woman? They have one of the best uh, balances of this. He absolutely um, will keep me humble. Uh, and he doesn't have any problem telling me, you know, whatever. But, and he's, and he, and here's the thing is that he's older than me, a couple years. And um, uh, so you have kids almost my age, but anyways, uh, but he honors, as the this, this, this senior leader of this house, he honors the position that God has placed me in. He's lived more years than me. You know that this anointing, that, now I've grown, and I know more now than I did five years ago and ten years ago, but these anointings, these offices, they don't have anything to do with your age. It has everything to do with whether God has called you and placed you there or not. The fivefold ministry is a call from the Lord, not from people. But when you, are, when you are around people and you grow up and you serve with people, they will recognize it on your life. If nobody recognizes, when you find that one person that they're like, I know many rogue prophets. Well, I don't say I know many, but I've met many rogue prophets. I know a few. That it's like they think they are God's gift to the church and you need to let me come speak at your church. You need to let me come in and tell you something. I, I think almost nothing about people like that. Because it's the gathering together of the saints ministering to one to another and, and, and honoring and working together and coming together and loving. That is where real true ministry is really at. Amen. And that's where people get called up and those things are recognized on them and identified by people that are in their midst. Praise the Lord. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.